Hi guys, it's me Dot. I am the Oil Oracle and I'm here to remind you that your life is a ceremony. And today I am recording this all the way up in Tynemouth. I'm in the very, very northeast of England whilst I'm on my tour, which is super cool. And my amazing friend Erica, who I'm up here with, has booked the most incredible um, apartment. It's on the top floor of this awesome sort of stately building and it's at the end of a street so it's got this huge bay window on the end that just looks out across the ocean and it feels really beautiful it just feels beautiful to be here to be honest with you the light is really clear and the space feels really open and I feel super super grateful to be here um to help her with some events and some networking and some oil wisdom in the northeast and I was traveling up here yesterday so it was it's my intention at the moment to be getting one of these podcasts up every day but yesterday that wasn't possible uh just with the travel time and everything else and I actually came on my bleed four days early and that is kind of prompting me for what I want to talk to you about today because my friend Rushna uh Lumino Wellness <laughs> Now, Rushna feels like maybe I'm in denial about being slightly perimenopausal. I actually do think that this is more to do with a kundalini activation um, and some, you know, some big energies and purging moving through this time. Although I am open to the possibility that I may be in the realm of perimenopause now that I am 40. Um, but I just actually thought this could be a really great thing to just open up a bit about and talk a bit about so I did do a live about this on my Facebook and my Instagram today if you're not already following me over there on Instagram I am um, my handle is at I am the oil oracle and on Facebook I am dot morehouse but I love sharing on the podcast and actually for me the podcast is like the voice notes that I'm not allowed to send so if you are in <laughs> like in more direct communication with me you may know that I do have a two minute limit on my uh, voice notes it's on my whatsapp I say please keep voice notes to two minutes maximum um, I do sometimes break that myself but I'm very conscious of trying to keep it to two minutes as a max because otherwise beyond that I feel like it becomes counterproductive but I have a lot to say <laughs> so the podcast is ultimately all of the voice notes that I haven't been able to send and um, so that's kind of how I feel about it when I'm recording I feel like I'm just like blabbering to a friend I actually saw a meme on um, or a reel on Instagram the other day about like saying like oh big up to the friend who sends the 20 minute voice note just in time for our drive home from work and I was like, well, yeah, I think that's basically what my podcast is. It's like half an hour voice note from Dot. Hey, guy. Anyway, at least this way you have a choice whether or not you listen to it. And really, I think a voice note, once it goes over 10 minutes, you probably should have to give it a title because then at least someone knows what they are going in for. So I will figure out a catchy and appropriate title for today's conversation, which is going to be actually about my journey with my menstrual cycle. And so... um yeah if this is something that you feel like could be interesting for you make sure you get yourself comfy grab a cacao I am currently drinking my second cacao of the day so cheers mm. and 
I've had such a journey with this and it feels always really valuable to talk about it because I know that my journey is so is not unique at all and so many women have been through a similar story and a similar journey so if we take it way back to its roots from the minute I started my moon times from the minute I was um, getting my periods I had problems with them so the initially the issue was that they were super super heavy like going through pads in under an hour type heavy um I remember I would see my friends with these little lalettes in their handbag and I'd be like I literally I like don't know what that would do for me it's like for a nosebleed or something it's clearly not made for my body and really really struggled with that from from the get-go and I remember at the very beginning although they were super heavy they weren't painful at all it was just unbelievably heavy um and you know that's really hard on a sort of 13 14 year old girl um you're feeling like you're gonna kind of you know bleed through your trousers kind of yeah worrying about that and just feeling like no one else is having that problem why am I having that problem you know I felt really on my own with it so we did see a doctor and very soon I was da 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 can you guess prescribed the pill oh that wonderful magical cure-all that regulates your uh cycle I just have to be honest with you, if you still think that the pill regulates your cycle, um, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but that is not what it's doing. It is just masking your cycle with a fake bleed. It is actually completely suppressing your cycle and totally fucking with your hormones. So, um, you know, I hate to be the one to break it to you, but I wish someone had told me about that sooner because I actually ended up staying on the pill for, um, in the end, it's nearly 16 years it was like 15 years that I was on the pill on various different versions of the pill bearing in mind that I was put on it when I was 14 so before I was sexually active and for most of my 20s I was single so I wasn't in a relationship where I needed to be on birth control but I was constantly told to stay on it to in inverted commas manage my symptoms however my body screamed at me nearly constantly so my symptoms were not being managed and I was probably just feeling even more crazy because of being on the pill so I certainly had that phase through my teens where I was being put on on every different kind um I remember just constantly being skipped from you know they'd like try it for a few months I'd say like I had you know it wasn't agreeing with me in this way this way this way and then they'd be like okay try this one and I'd be on it for a few months and it still wouldn't agree and then they'd be like okay try this one and it still wouldn't agree when I was about 18 they gave me the injection pill and it actually gave me psychosis so I actually had like voices in my head with that one and it lasts three months the injection pill and I remember I was due for my next one and I sort of went to the doctor and I was crying it was a woman as well oh, I can shoot I mean it's really fascinating how people end up being doctors when they have absolutely no bedside manner but I went to see her and I remember like crying and just saying like I feel so low I felt you know suicidal um I really didn't feel like I was coping and I wasn't you know sure if it was the right thing to keep having the pill and she just sort of shrugged and said she didn't think it would be connected um it totally kind of gaslit me really and made me feel like I was just crazy and now uh, all these years later since talking about this more openly 
I found that loads of women got psychosis from the injection pill. Um, and I think it's still probably available. They probably still give it to people. That's just crazy for me. And, you know, with I think it's important to talk about the fact that with all the advancements that we've made in the world since I was 14, I really don't understand how they still think that just giving people the pill is going to fix anything. <laughs> like, you know, if I think back to when I was 14, I'm 40 now. So we're talking like 26 years. There weren't any smartphones. You know, there wasn't really the internet in a way like we have it now. I remember we had a computer room at school. It had two computers in it and you'd sort of, you could sit on them you know, try and search things from Encarta 94, you know, the when you used to have to upload, you know, the encyclopedia onto your computer. It, it, we've moved on a lot, guys. And the reality is that they're just being lazy if they're still suggesting people go on the pill to manage their menstrual health because, you know, clearly they're just not paying attention because it doesn't help. And so... Where was I at? <laughs> okay, so if we, yeah, so I was, um, I've completely lost my thread of what we're talking about. Hang on. That was amazing. I really just had to gather my thoughts. Okay, so I was given the injection. It gave me psychosis. The doctors gas gaslit me. I was still having all of these crazy menstrual health problems. And at that point, I was in a relationship. And within about a year of then, Apart from the fact that Paul, his name was Dom, he was a great guy and actually he really did like go through a lot with me and I, I must have been an absolute nightmare girlfriend. I'm sure his parents were really happy when we broke up because I was crazy um, and you know it was a combination of things but definitely the injection pill didn't help. Um, probably nor did my party lifestyle but it was there was a lot going on and I do often think back fondly about Dom and, and what a sort of um, yeah like a solid guy he was I was very lucky um, but things you know it got harder and harder and then like all my menstrual health stuff was so hard like we couldn't be physically intimate with one another because I was in so much pain and it was only kind of when it got to that point that I was finally referred for laparoscopy only because we had private health insurance at the time and I got referred and then I finally went to go and have this laparoscopy by the time I had the laparoscopy actually me and Don had split up um and you know good for him we'd gone our separate ways <laughs> um, and um yeah we had the laparoscopy and they were like oh yeah you've got um endometriosis um the options were that we could i could have hormone therapy um he was like well we can't we wouldn't do surgery you can do hormone therapy which from what i remember i remember the way he explained it and it sounded pretty much like it would be like being on the injection pill but instead of having it every three months I'd have it every one month to which I was like well I can't do that because the injection pill gave me psychosis um you know and the consultant looked at me like I was crazy but um turns out I wasn't anyway so I was like no I can't do that and so his advice to me was um well in that case if you want children, if you see children in your future, I suggest you don't delay trying to get pregnant. And I was like, but I'm 20 and I'm single. And he just kind of shrugged. And that was it. And that was like my first sort of dip in the toe into um, sort of where I started looking for natural solutions because it was just very much this kind of like, oh, well, you know, that's it really. 
And I remember thinking, my God, like you've just done surgery and put a camera inside my stomach and been able to sort of see what's going on inside me and sew me back together again. And you've you've got like one option of what you can do and it's loads of hormones. And if it's not that, then I just have to try and get pregnant. Like this is bullshit. And then it was coming out of that that a friend of mine... Um, she was having a really good experience with a homeopath for her eczema and she referred me to her homeopath and I, I went to him and I actually had such a positive experience and he gave me really like my initiation into what like natural health was about um he you know I wish I could remember his name I, I you know I feel always so grateful for the way that he coached me um I wasn't really able to stick to what he was asking me to do but I did um you know I did learn a lot from him but basically I was in my 20s I soon after moved to London and even though I knew that I shouldn't be eating processed foods and I should minimize sugar and I should quit smoking and drugs and drinking and all that other stuff I was also having a great time most of the time so I kind of didn't care and then every now and again my symptoms would be really bad and I'd pull everything back and I had this like alkaline drink. I still remember it was called Inner Light and you bought it and it came with this shaker bottle and it was basically like spirulina and other stuff in a powder and I would like shake it and my friends used to call it my pond water and if I, if I like, they'd kind of know what, what part of my journey I was in depending on whether or not I had my bottle of pond water with me. Um, kind of want to look it up and see if it still exists actually just for nostalgia. But yeah, it was like this kind of like, I it was supposed to be like alkalizing um I expect it was just like sort of spirulina and super greens that sort of thing but yeah there again in the early 2000s I was always like seemed like the crunchy one compared to the people that I was around and we so yeah so you know every now and again I'd have a period where I'd sort of have a few months where I wouldn't drink and I'd be drinking my pond water and I'd try and stop smoking um and then I'd just kind of get back to my old habits and old ways and it really like yo-yoed like that throughout my 20s but I still always stayed on the pill and it was this weird thing because I just I'd been told so many times anytime I did see the doctor about anything that I should just stay on it because that was going to be better than not um and then you know a few things happened like in my mid-20s I ended up in hospital and it turned out that it was actually because of like an endometriosis flare, but they misdiagnosed it. I was in St. Thomas in Waterloo and they um, they thought it was a kidney infection. And they really shamed me because they actually said I was in there because of my lifestyle choices and that it was this really acute kidney infection because I had a bit of a party lifestyle. And this one doctor on the bit on the bit of the ward where they like admit you in and send you up there's like an interim ward that you go to before they figure out what ward to put you onto and this one young male doctor was like so judgmental and he actually said to me you're in here because of your lifestyle choices and you're going to be in here for a while so you should use this time to think about that and it was like really fucking gnarly because actually I told them I had endometriosis and they said it wasn't connected and then when I came out from the hospital, we still had private health insurance. And I went on this, I got like super paranoid because I was like, oh my God, like I was really sick, but they couldn't really explain to me what happened. And I was in the hospital for 10 days on three different types of intravenous antibiotics. And it wasn't until like the 10th day that my symptoms, everything started to sort of clear up my 
fever came down the the whatever it was the infection was starting to clear and they discharged me almost immediately they actually discharged me at like 10 o'clock at night and I went back to my flat and I remember thinking like oh my god I was really sick but they couldn't explain to me because I in my head you know I was like I think when you antibiotics if you've got if you know what's wrong and you give the right antibiotics it kind of just works and they couldn't explain why it wasn't working to me and I kind of got in my head about it so because we had this private health insurance I decided to pursue it and try and find out what was going on so I was sent first of all to a kidney specialist I was referred to a kidney specialist to see what was going on with my kidneys and why I'd had this terrible infection but they couldn't actually find anything wrong with them nor could he actually find any signs of infection so then he was like oh maybe it's like a bladder thing so then I got referred to this bladder specialist and I was having all these tests and scans and different things in my bladder and having to keep a diary of all this stuff meanwhile I'm completely pranging out about my health and I decided that I was just not going to drink not going to smoke not going to take any drugs and like really like be super super healthy however I was also working in the fashion industry in quite a toxic environment and i and I, and I was already just then starting to slip into some not good mental states around food and what was going in my body and I was becoming quite OCD so I'm in this journey goes on and on and on nine months go by I eventually end up back in a gynecologist's office this time on Harley Street seeing this amazing amazing little Asian gynecologist and he kind of had my notes and I went in for my first appointment with him and he was like I've looked through your notes I know what this is this is your endometriosis and it's been misdiagnosed and this happens all the time I see it all the time but that what you were experiencing was an endometriosis flare and um that was you know that is the problem however you know like let's do some scans whatever and then in that process we then through through working with him that was when I found out that I also had polycystic ovarian syndrome and so you know that was like a massive um a massive uh blow to kind of realize that I'd been in hospital been really honest with them about the fact that I had endometriosis and been completely shut down and I'd had sort of nine months of going through all these different specialists and having to have all these appointments and scans and screenings and examinations you know like so invasive and yeah I need to be told that it was it was something that I knew I had all along that I'd been completely dismissed of anyway it was just kind of it was such a process and you know and then from that point my relationship with my body spiraled absolutely out of control and now like when I look back they always say you can only connect the dots looking back you, you know you can never see it at the time and now I look back and it makes so much sense to me that from that place I went into a period of really intense disordered eating because I had become so sort of just disconnected from my body and felt so disempowered around my body and I was just trying to get things back under control you know I'd felt so out of control with how things had been going and not knowing and I just wanted control back um, but my control went really badly wrong <laughs> uh, yeah it was not 
was not cool and you know I was very, really you know from that point things spiraled and I had like a good sort of 18 months of being really really unwell um physically mentally emotionally spiritually um and it really took me to a very dark place actually and actually I'm going to pause the recording for a minute and just check in with myself about how much I want to share about this. Hang on. I think I've got clear on what I need to say. So um, I could, there's like a whole other tangent that I could go off there. But actually I'm going to like, from that place, I went really low. I had this period of really like immensely sort of bad um, body dysmorphia, disordered eating. Um, yeah, really kind of did hit my own rock bottom. And it took quite a long time and quite a lot of, therapy to come up and out from that but then we're gonna sort of skip it forward a few a few years just for the sake of the fact that this was supposed to be a podcast about my journey with my menstrual cycle <laughs> not with uh not with my eating disorder so um yeah so if you sort of skip it forward a few years um you know when I was so that was sort of in my mid-20s and it was in the late summer the year I turned 29 when I met Martin, uh, who is now my husband, my amazing husband, who I adore. And he, yeah, he was just a friend of my friend's partner and we met, they actually fixed us up. It was a setup, but I didn't realize it at the time, but forever grateful, thank you, George, thank you, Tom. And I, we met and we started dating and we fell in love and you know I was open with him about the fact that I'd been told you know so we're in the process of the um, endometriosis diagnosis and then again with the PCOS diagnosis all the messages I'd had from consultants was very clearly like you will find it hard to have children you should not expect to be able to have children without IVF don't bank on having children the longer you wait the harder it will be <coughs> excuse me so by this time I'm 29 and my perceptive my perception of it is I can't have children so that was you know the, that was the the truth that I had um taken on I won't be able to have children it will be hard for me um so I'd sort of spoken about with that that with Martin quite early on because it felt important you know it's a big part of my story it had been like a a part of my journey that had really dominated my 20s especially like my mid-20s and onwards so it felt really important to talk about it with him as my partner and he was amazing and understanding and just sort of said you know it doesn't matter we can yeah it's good to know and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it and in that time you know in that first year that we were together I read this book an amazing book called Clean written by um I think his name is Dr Alejandra Junger um it's I'll put the link to it in the show notes it was a book it's actually like a detox program but it also kind of frames the way that we're exposed to toxins in all these different ways and how they can be affecting our body and it really blew my mind so I went on this journey so also like you know from the minute I met Martin um that meeting Martin was the sort of turning point in my life where I stopped using recreational drugs and then that first Christmas that we were together I decided that I was going to quit smoking at New Year so I quit smoking and then in the spring I read oh no it was in that autumn I'd read clean and I decided that I wanted to do the clean protocol in January I now know that January is not the right time to do a cleanse but I didn't know that then but so I was doing this clean protocol and trying to like detox all these different parts of my life so I started using 
um, like eco cleaning products and I wanted to only eat organic food, <clears throat> that kind of thing. And so I've talked about this with people before, like at this point in the dynamic of my life in London, I was like the crunchiest person around, you know, the fact that I actually cared about my food being organic in the demographic of the people that I was with at that time. And the fact that I wanted to only use like Ecover and everyone, you know, it didn't make sense to a lot of people, but it really mattered to me and I was really working on it. Um, and then in the following summer, um, I'd had a little... Um, I had a little health scare where I'd sort of passed some blood in my stools and had to have a few tests and, you know, there's a history of um, bowel cancer in my family. So I was just a bit nervous about it. And um, I, I got that all clear. But then basically I was sort of like looking at other ways. Where else could I reduce the toxins in my life? And the last thing that remained for me was the contraceptive pill. And I remember going to Martin, we're having this very upfront chat and sort of saying, you know, this is the last thing I feel like I'm using regularly that is kind of damaging for me. And we know I can't have children or it's going to be hard for me to have children. So what would be cool is like, you know, if you would be all right with me coming off it. And then that way, if things work out with us and, you know, years down the line, if we want to try for a baby, at least we'll kind of know what's going on. Because they say that I should stay on it to manage my symptoms, but I don't even know what my symptoms are. And Mark was like, yeah, cool. You know, yeah, that's fine. Come off it. And I came off it. And by God's grace, a couple of months later, I was actually pregnant with our daughter. But obviously that brought with it a huge shock as well, because I never expected it to happen that easily. But I think really like when again, connecting the dots, looking back, I'd done so much work on healing various things, on cleaning up my diet, cleaning up my environment, you know, switching out toxic products as much as I could. And obviously all of that had added up to really support my body alongside feeling really loved and supported by Martin. And yeah, this amazing blessing of pregnancy came into our lives. But then I had a massive journey trying to integrate that reality because I'd been so, like, so firmly in this belief that I wouldn't be able to have children. So I couldn't actually compute it to begin with. And, and then I had to go through a process of allowing the pregnancy and, and being okay and feeling safe in that, which in itself was another beautiful layer of healing that came um, for me. So, yeah, so I had our first child. And then a few couple of years later, we decided that we would try for a second and again fell pregnant like really quickly but in all this time like really I hadn't ever really known what was going on with my cycles and how things were working for me and so it wasn't really until after our son was born that I started to kind of really feel like I could get any sense of what was going on with my cycle you know by that time I'd been off the pill for like four and a half years and and then when my bleeds came back after having him they didn't come back for a while because I was breastfeeding but when they did came back come back it was really interesting to me to sort of see like well what is happening with my body now that I'm not on the pill and I am living this cleaner lifestyle and actually you know I have had a couple of children which is if you can ha you know have children then that can really help with endometriosis because it gives you know it gives your system a rest in a way um and 
yeah, so it wasn't until I was literally 35 that I started the whole process of even trying to understand my menstrual cycle. Up until that point, I'd only ever tried to avoid it. And um, so, yeah, I read this amazing book, the name of which completely escapes me now. But I read a book which to me was completely radical in my mid-30s, but it just explained the menstrual cycle. And whether or not I had been taught anything about it in my life up until that point, to me it all felt like new information. Like if anyone had ever said any of that stuff to me before, it hadn't stuck with me at all. And I really felt like I was hearing it all for the first time, just understanding the four phases of the menstrual cycle, understanding that actually there's only a few days of the month where you can actually get pregnant. You know, I'd always just sort of assumed that I was constantly fertile and that was the reason why women went on the pill because, you know, you could get pregnant seven days a week, 52 weeks of the year. I didn't realise that there was just this finite window. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny to me now, but it really, it was really new information to me. And I feel so lucky that it came into my life when it did, because I've actually been able to have a few really good years of working with my cycle and tuning into my body. And I feel like that's going to be really useful for me and really powerful for me in terms of going into my menopause or my perimenopausal kind of era of my life, because I do feel like it's possible that one of the big challenges we face as women, if we have been on hormonal contraception for most of our adult life, I'm not surprised that we would be completely thrown when we go into menopause. Because what I know now, and you know, what I initially just took on as information and read, you know, like, you know, facts and and sort of information from books, now having actually tracked my cycle and paid attention to it over a long period of time I do know it to be true that we do carry within us these four very different archetypes so we have these inner seasons that mirror the outer seasons we have our spring our summer our autumn and our winter which is our follicular um, phase ovulation our luteal phase and our bleed and in those four seasons our energy is so different and the four archetypes aside from the sort of seasons like the sort of spring summer autumn winter it's also this idea of maiden mother enchantress and sage so the maiden is like kind of the follicular the spring phase um the mother is the ovulation phase the summer um enchantress is autumn and sage is the deep wisdom of deep winter and your bleed time and it's really incredible to journey with your cycle with awareness and pay attention to how you are in all of those phases because from what I have learned and starting to understand the 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 process of menopause is actually an initiation a rite of passage and as hard as it is to go through what my wise elders have shared with me is that actually it is the stripping away of everything that doesn't serve you anything that is not in service to your highest um highest vision for your life you just want to strip away and tear down um a complete kind of clearance of everything that's not serving um so that you can then step into 
a really powerful era of your life because when we're actually still menstruating, we are governed by this physical hormonal process that our body weaves us through every 28, 29 days. And then when you've gone through that initiation, that transition from um, through to through the menopause, when you come out the other side, all four parts of yourself, all four archetypes that live within you are available to you at all times. So it's actually all powerful rather than, you know, it's actually that we're getting everything rather than we're having everything taken away from us. And obviously as someone who hasn't been through the menopause I know that there's only so much that I can speak to about this because I know that every person's journey with it is unique and I know that a lot of women face challenges but also from what I'm learning and understanding many of those challenges come from you know a couple of things firstly not having enough understanding about all those parts of ourselves and what our needs are and also like not feeling like we're able to voice that and so kind of working on being able to speak our needs is really important and really powerful and actually like if we can lean into some of that when we're in our cycle before we get to the menopause then when it comes and we need to do it more often maybe <laughs> then then hopefully we've had some time to practice and you know every month as we go through the process um, of the enchantress moving into the sage then I feel like that is our opportunity to dance with how it's going to be in our menopause so that we can actually figure out what we're going to need, like get to know that part of ourselves so that we can look after her when the menopause comes around. Now, I do also have an incredible woman in my life called Nisha, um, who is a menstrual health expert, and she also does incredible work with mothers and daughters and fathers and daughters. She does these beautiful workshops that are called Celebration Days for Girls and sort of helping girls step into the journey of the menstrual cycle with more power and more wisdom and enthusiasm. And actually, me and my daughter have done a couple of her workshops, and my daughter is actually so excited for when her moon time comes um you know which I think is is really transformational there's lots of girls kind of approaching that phase of their life with a totally different outlook than I did had when I was younger just because the narrative has changed so much so that feels really incredible um but Nisha and I had a long chat a while ago about the menopause and how what are the struggles and and what's what are some of the first things that people notice and she even just simple things like she was explaining to me that um one of the first signs of perimenopause is like a, a an inability to cope with things that we used to find manageable and that's because what happens when you move from being in your regular cycle to being in your perimenopause is that you switch from ovarian power to adrenal power and if you have been living a highly stressful lifestyle or if you have been living living with a level of toxicity that the body is finding hard to manage for a long time through your 30s by the time you get to your 40s and you move into that perimenopausal era then your adrenals are kind of shot to shit and it means that when you switch over to adrenal power you've just got no um, resilience like there's no give in what you've got so um it's that kind of almost like having all your nerve endings exposed and like everything is aggravating and everything is touchy and sensitive and that comes from this switch to the adrenal kind of power 
of your energy systems and if yeah if your adrenals are sort of where you manage your stress if they're already completely run down and tired out from managing a highly stressful or a highly toxic lifestyle then you're really going to struggle with those early perimenopause symptoms so we've talked a bit about like how we can support women with that with the oils i think a lot of it is always about like anything with like holistic healthcare rather than trying to change something once we're sick um, when we're trying to look at healthcare, we're always trying to look at ways to be proactive. So we've talked about, you know, this idea of, you know, the ways that we manage stress, which is something that the oils are so amazing with um, helping us manage stress. So one oil in particular is called Copaiba. It's actually a tree oil. It's a resin that comes from the Copifera tree, which is a South American medicine tree. And it is the only essential oil that has been found to contain beta-caryophylline, which is the primary active constituent in CBD. So that is kind of what gives CBD its potency as, as a nervous system support. And it's actually in Copaiba in really high quantities. So I think if I can remember rightly from one of our trainings, um, they say that they said that in most CBD products, uh, beta caryophylline is present at the ratio of about five to seven percent, but in our Copaiba essential oil, it's about sixty-five percent beta caryophylline. Um, I will double check that, and if I'm wildly off the mark, I will put it in the show notes. But um, yeah, Copaiba is an amazing essential oil. You can have it as an oil um, and use it in your diffuser and make a rollable with it and also take it internally. Like I take a drop under the tongue every morning just as a kind of constitutional support. Um, or you also, there are there is now like a soft gel, so you can buy a Copaiba soft gel, like a little capsule, which some people find easier to take. Not everybody loves the taste, so I quite like it. Um, but yeah, using Copaiba just daily as like a constitutional support to help the nervous system is can be incredible. Obviously, kind of good sleep hygiene also really helpful for managing stress. But likewise, managing stress is really good for sleep hygiene. So anything we can do like you know avoiding blue light in the evening or wearing blue light blockers making sure we do a bit of sky before screen so trying to look out at the natural daylight before we look at any screen-based technology um avoiding sugar and caffeine in the afternoon especially all of those sorts of things that can really help and um i think you know there's lots of there's lots more other ways that the oils can help with those sort of onsets of um those perimenopausal symptoms but also i do feel like the most powerful one could be tracking your cycle and getting to know yourself in those archetypes in those different phases of your cycle as well and certainly in my own journey i think tracking my cycle has been one of the most profoundly healing um tools in my in my relationship with my cycle just kind of getting to know myself in that way and understanding that there is a pattern to it and there's a rhythm to it and I'm not completely random um you know I'm not just randomly angry it is every day it is every 27 days <laughs> you know that kind of thing um but yeah I think 
I think it's really beautiful to be living in a time now where we are talking more openly about the menstrual cycle, where it's not got so much shame attached to it, where it's more normalized. And, you know, I, I grew up in that era where you were told to like hide your menstrual products in your pencil case so that people wouldn't know that you were carrying it around. And yeah, you know, I just don't feel like we need to feel that kind of shame around it anymore. It's like 50% of the population live with it. Let's just make it normal. Yeah, <laughs> let's just make it normal. Um, anyway, this has been a very long podcast today. So congratulations if you stayed to the end. I'm going to wrap it up and just hope and trust that something in here I've said is useful. Um, I assume that it is. Otherwise... I wouldn't have been moved to say it. I kind of always feel like with these things, whatever, someone someone needs to hear it for some reason and that's, and that's what I'm here for. So if it's interesting to you, if you don't already follow me, come and find me on Instagram at I am the oil oracle. I'm also going to be starting a YouTube channel this week, which is also at I am the oil oracle on YouTube. And I am relaunching my website this week with a beautiful free ebook talking about the different, uh, the eight different seasonal festivals that punctuate the wheel of the year and how you can use essential oils as part of your rituals to celebrate them. So I will be announcing when that website and that um, ebook is available on my Instagram. So make sure you do come over there and follow and I will you'll be among the first to know which is great um, and if you want to know more about the different ways that you can use essential oils and doTERRA products to support you at any phase of your cycle then do always feel free to come and find me on social media and send me a message because I would love to chat to you about this in the DMs and I think that's pretty much it so I am the oil oracle your life is a ceremony so go and start living that way